In studio with me is Steve Gunnels, sitting so comfortable in the stress list today. He's the district attorney for Deschutes County. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Thank you very much for coming in today. Uh, a couple of things, a couple, three things we want to talk about today. First of all, the Alexander Smith murder verdict. Remind me what that is and how this came about. Yeah, back in May of 2022, a woman by the name of Tina Klein-Lewis was working in her field on her farm in Cloverdale when she was approached by a 22-year-old stranger by the name of Alexander Smith. Smith proceeded to murder Miss Klein-Lewis by strangling her there in the field. Uh, there was no reason for it. Uh, there was no connection between the two. Uh, and so the Deschutes County Sheriff's Office took a few days to figure out what had happened, were able to track him down, which uh, was the result of really good detective work. Uh, it's very difficult in those cases to, to find the suspect when there's no connection between the, the suspect and the victim. Uh, Mr. Alexander Smith, who was 22 years old at the time, was arrested for her murder and was taken to the Deschutes County Jail and has been there ever since. While he's been in custody, he's been examined by multiple forensic psychiatrists, and they've come to the conclusion that he was legally insane at the time of the murder. Uh, the diagnosis has been schizophrenia with a history of drug and alcohol abuse, which is a, a very common combination nowadays, unfortunately. We hired our own investigator, our own forensic psychiatrist to examine Mr. Smith and, and our psychiatrist came to the same conclusion that he was legally insane at the time of the murder. So the case went to trial last week. Mr. Smith was found guilty except for insanity of murder and he was committed to the Oregon State Hospital and under the jurisdiction of the Psychiatric Security Review Board for the remainder of his life. And that was the, the result of a, a fairly brief trial in which the only real issue was, was he legally insane at the time of the crime? Is that enough for a case like this? Is he secure enough? Is there ever a chance he will be out? Yeah, that's a good question. While he's in the state hospital, he's secure enough. You know, the, they do have, I'm not going to say they don't have examples of escapes from the state hospital they do but they are very rare uh, in you know in the vast majority of cases once somebody goes into the state hospital they're going to stay there until the psychiatric security review board determines that they're able to be released into the community and that can happen and it's up to a, a panel of psychiatrists and and forensic evaluators to make that determination whether he's fit to be you know, among us in public. And I would expect that if that happens, it will be years down the road. At least that's my hope. So a person who's committed a murder, there's no doubt about it. He's done this act, and yet he could still conceivably be released back into the public? That is true, and that's a, a very difficult thing for, I can tell you, for me as a prosecutor because I've prosecuted these cases for a number of years and and 
I see the the damage that the acts cause, you know, the victim's family, the victim herself, uh, they all either are or have suffered. And it's, uh, it's very frustrating, I will tell you, to have somebody sent to the state hospital and then there's a determination later to release that person when, you know, we know what the person is capable of doing among us. And uh, I, I guess all I can say is that it, it's the law. The law requires that a separate body of psychiatric experts make that decision at a later point. It's similar to the parole board, except that the parole board has to wait until the term of the sentence is completed. So, for example, in an ordinary murder case, the parole board wouldn't even get to consider release until 25 years after they've been sent to prison. In this case, the, the Psychiatric Security Review Board can review them you know, within months to determine whether they're eligible for release. That It would be extremely unusual for the, the board to release somebody that quickly, but it's legally possible. Do we see many guilty except for insanity verdicts in Deschutes County? Uh, we don't see many. We have seen a few in the past, uh, probably five years. We had, I prosecuted a case, uh, Joanna Kasner case, back in 2019 and 2020, in which uh, she murdered a woman in Boonesboro subdivision, and she was found to be legally insane by the defense psychiatrist and our psychiatrist and she was sentenced similarly to life in the custody of the state hospital and she has since been released to a secure another secure facility but uh, she's still in a secure place at this point well uh, let's go ahead and move on uh, it's it's a difficult subject to talk about but i appreciate you bringing it to our attention Ballot Measure 110, we've been talking about that a lot here lately, and we're getting all kinds of different views on it. A lot of people have weighed in. Uh, first of all, one side wants misdemeanor Class A, another side wants misdemeanor Class C for possession of these drugs. Can you tell me the difference between the two? Yeah, sure. Misdemeanor Class A is a uh, cl um, class of misdemeanor that allows the court to impose up to a year in jail for the crime, the crime of possession of a controlled substance. Typically, a court would limit itself to half of that, probably 180 days, if the person is on probation and they don't complete their treatment or they, you know, they just don't follow through with the rules. The most a court would impose in that circumstance would be 180 days. Uh, so there's a relatively large incentive for the person to actually follow through and get done what they're supposed to get done and get well. Uh, class C misdemeanor, on the other hand, is the lowest level misdemeanor, and it uh, has a maximum penalty of 30 days in jail, and if somebody's on probation, the maximum they could get for violation of probation would be 15 days in jail. So there's a pretty significant difference between the two. In my view, as a prosecutor, the, the person who is using hard drugs like fentanyl, heroin, methamphetamine, 
needs to know that there are real consequences for failure to follow through with court orders. They need to know that it's a very serious thing if they don't go to treatment, if they keep committing crimes, if they keep using drugs, that their probation could get revoked and they could get a, a serious penalty. Many of the people who come through the system regularly uh, would rather take 15 days in jail than go to treatment and go through the, you know, jump through the hoops of, you know, getting treated, staying off of drugs, and not associating with people who use drugs, which are the requirements of a, a normal probation for drug possession. So it's been my position, and it's the position of the District Attorneys Association in Oregon, that a Class A misdemeanor or a high-level misdemeanor is the more appropriate penalty for use of possession of controlled substances and, and continued use or violation of probation. This is a topic that's up for discussion now during the short session of the legislature. Can you give me an example of a, a Class C misdemeanor? Class C misdemeanors are criminal trespass if you go onto somebody else's property uh, without permission against their their will, and uh, or they tell you to leave and you stay on their property just out in their yard. For example, that's a criminal trespass in the second degree. That's a Class C misdemeanor. Theft in the third degree, which would be shoplifting a small amount, something under $100, is a Class C misdemeanor, so those are examples of that. Okay, I appreciate that. And uh, as you've said, we've got uh, law enforcement and uh, uh, other people are wanting this this A a misdemeanor lifted up to a uh, level A because it would help people, well, it would incentivize people. Right, the idea is that the problem with Ballot Measure 110 is that it completely removed the the consequences, the criminal justice consequences of possession of drugs. It uh, imposed a up to $100 fine that if the person doesn't pay, there's no meaningful consequence to that. There's just an entry of a judgment that can't be collected, and it doesn't affect their credit rating. It doesn't uh, affect anything. They can't be arrested for it. Uh, so it's kind of a meaningless uh, law when there's there's no consequence for violation of it. You know, it's unenforceable. The idea here is that the consequences have to be real and significant in order to motivate people to actually go through with the treatment that they've been ordered to do and that they need if they're addicted to hard drugs like, you know, heroin, fentanyl, methamphetamine. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk more about that, but I'd rather move on to the Internet Crimes Against Children detective positions in Deschutes County. Is this something new? Yeah, it's something new, and it's something that we've needed. The Bend Police Department has recently appointed a new Internet Crimes Against Children detective uh, to be assigned to our uh, computer forensics laboratory here in, in Deschutes County in order to investigate internet crimes against children. Those are crimes like actually trying to lure a child into a relationship over the internet, which happens a lot, a lot more than most people think it does. Uh, You know, with online forums, with, you know, Snapchat, with all kinds of of, uh, internet connections that that, uh, are used 
primarily by people who are looking to have relationships with others, and some people have used that to connect with children. Uh, the other type of crime that, that they would investigate includes child, online child pornography that gets traded by people uh, back and forth and has real victims because there are, there are images of acts with children that uh, are forbidden. You know, the, the acts themselves obviously are crimes, but also the sharing of those images over the Internet are crimes. And this position will be focused on investigating those kinds of cases, which is very necessary. And in addition to the Bend Police Department, the Oregon State Police is also creating an Internet Crimes Against Children detective position, and we'll be filling that shortly. And that is a, a real need in our community. Those cases have been on the increase over the past 10 years to the point where it's a little bit overwhelming for detectives who have other cases that they're investigating. The number of referrals for those kinds of crimes is very high and getting higher all the time. How many of these detectives are there going to be operating in Deschutes County with all these law enforcement agencies? Uh, well, so far we've got the Bend Police Department and the Oregon State Police with specially designated Internet Crimes Against Children detectives, and I would anticipate that other agencies uh, would likely be participating in that. I know that the Forensics Lab offers uh, de detectives who do the computer searches and try to find the evidence when it's, when it's uh, referred to them and they do an excellent job of doing that. In our office, we have prosecutors who are specially trained to prosecute those cases because they require a great deal of technical expertise in computers, computer systems, internet, and other, other areas that are, that are very specialized. And in fact, we have one prosecutor, Matt Nelson, who is a cross-designated federal prosecutor for those kinds of crimes when when the crimes meet federal criteria for prosecution. This sounds like a crime that we only see the tip of the iceberg in. That is definitely true. The number of, of cases that actually get referred to law enforcement is likely a very small fraction of the, the crimes that are actually occurring, like many things, right? Like, uh, you know, child abuse in general. Very, uh, a very small portion of those actually get referred to law enforcement. and. Uh, there's a great need to investigate those cases and try to try to uh, end the exploitation of children through online devices as quickly as you possibly can because children get hurt and they live with the scars of that hurt for the rest of their lives. Any advice for parents, teachers, people who are around these young people? Yeah, the you know, for me, the thing is, know what your children are doing, know what kinds of apps they have on their phones, who they're talking to online, and, you know, really pay attention and be involved, ask questions, keep lines of communication open, and if you hear or see something that doesn't seem right, explore it, push the point, and, you know, be a parent. Steve Gunnels, District Attorney, Deschutes County, uh the DA's office and Steve uh, really appreciate uh, all the, the good advice and the hard work you and your office put in. Okay, thank you, Frank. FM News 100.1, 1110 KBND. Good morning to you.